This is Preach Freedom by Alex Mole. Let's get talking. Hello, um, what a joy to uh, be here for a Preach Freedom broadcast podcast. And today we have Jennifer Ulisi, the research and evaluation analyst for Children's Trust. She was recently commissioned to coordinate the social justice and racial equity work within the organization. And we're going to be asking a few questions from Miss Jennifer Ulisi. So Jennifer, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I am doing well. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So um, I, I know you're ready to go. I know you're ready, already loaded, ready to begin conversation on social justice. But I have a few questions as a prelude, as an intro to some of the conversations we have in this podcast. Would you consider yourself to be a devoted Christian? Yes, I would. I would definitely okay. say that I'm you know, devoted and I grew up pretty much, um, you know, in a Christian household. And so, you know, that's all I've ever known. <laughs> yeah. So your views fundamentally are formed along these lines, right? Yes. All right. How long have you attended? Do you, in fact, do you attend a local church, first of all? Yes, I do. I actually, I attend um, Christian Life Center in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I've been attending there for 16 years. Um, oh, so more than yeah. half of my life. In <laughs> years, that's a long time. So you, your fundamental theological perspectives have been shaped by the um, teachings of the church. You would say so, right? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. What does social justice mean to you? Yeah, social justice is, um, you know, that term in itself has been used in so many different ways, and I mean, in thinking for myself, I feel like social justice is really understanding God's idea for justice for humanity, his heart for humanity, and helping to implement that here on earth. Um, yeah, so yeah. I would say for me, that's more or less how I would look at social justice. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, that's so good. A lot of people feel the church should not be involved with social justice because it goes against some of the fundamental traditional values of the church. Um, and many people hold different views on that. And my take has always been um, social justice involves care and co concern for the community. And do you think the church generally has been involved? In fact, to put it more specifically, do you think the Pentecostal church has been involved in social justice or have done enough for the community in the area of social justice? Yeah, I think, and maybe to answer, you know, looking at your question, it might be related to context, like where we are probably looking at the Pentecostal church's involvement um, in social issues. Because on one end, I could say, you know, yes, the, the Pentecostal church has been very involved in terms of missions work um, in different countries, in terms of helping um people get the things that they need um, in terms of, you know, education, healthcare, um, food. Uh, but again, that's more on like a global scale and an international scale. But if we're looking at what, what's been taking place more so, I would say in the United States, or we're looking at like the, the American context, um, I'd probably say that the Pentecostal church could do a little more. I mean, I can't speak for, all churches, 
um, all Pentecostal churches in the United States, but I think that there's definitely more room um, for the church to get involved, and especially the Pentecostal church to get involved in social justice um, issues. Yeah, I, I hold the same opinion. Thanks for, for expressing that um, view, because I feel that living in South Florida, um, you find out that a lot of Pentecostal church seems to lag behind when it comes to issues of social justice. And you hardly see, you know, mainstream Pentecostal uh, denomination uh, affiliated churches um, getting themselves involved in core issues of social justice. Yes, some of them go around feed the poor. Yes, they do food drives, but it's not enough. A lot of them don't have a defined and adopted strategy to address core issues that the community face, like poverty, um, racial discrimination, um, police um, issues of police reorientation regarding their attitude towards black people or even just addressing the issue of racial injustice within society. A lot of churches are just, you know, aloof to the idea. You know, the question whether the church is caring enough for, for, for the community is something you have basically expressed that we can do better. You know, what's your experience like, you know, being a black person, you know, and the role of the church in addressing issues of racial justice? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a, an interesting question. And I like how you started off and said, you know, being a Black person. And, and maybe for me, you know, one of the things um, I, I know, especially in this season, uh, with a lot of the social um, unrest we've been experiencing, I know for me, I, I understand that the terms like Black and, and White are, are social <laughs> constructs. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I actually very rarely identify or, or begin to identify myself as a Black person only because I feel that that term in itself is so weighted, like it carries um, a lot of, you know, tension. Exactly. And it's not to say like, I'll use that in conversation. I'm I'm fine with engaging in that, that type of rhetoric um, in order to engage in conversation with others. But I honestly identify myself based off of my ethnicity. So if, if someone were to ask me, how do I perceive myself as an Afro Caribbean American woman in a, in the United States and in South Florida, um, that's more or less how I'd address myself. And I would say, you know, looking at um, how things are in South Florida, we experience, I would say, um, if, we're, if we want to look at race or racial disparities or, or discrimination or things like that, it's it's a very different ball game in South Florida compared to maybe where I would say in, in some of the other Southern states. Um, in the United States. And that's just because of the the rich diversity of cultures that we have. Um, and even within those cultures, there's those own level of, of discrimination or biases that exist. So um, I would just say my experience here in, in South Florida is probably different than what someone maybe in, in Georgia or South Carolina yeah. is experiencing. Um, and I think that just has to deal with kind of more of the international um, context or, you know, dynamic that we have here in South Florida. Yeah, you know, you have spoken well, you know, because that disparity actually becomes so real because um, the black people in South Florida might be experiencing something distinctive differently from what a black person in Chicago might be experiencing because of the cultural differences. And uh, and I know that with the recent tension in the United States, Many churches have responded differently 
in your own view, what do you think um, Pentecostal churches could be um, a, a, a more holistic approach towards the current racial tension in the country? Yeah, yeah. I know it's an open-ended question almost, <laughs> but, you know, just in your, in your own opinion, how do you think the Pentecostal church or the church at large should respond to the racial tension? Should respond, yeah. I think with anything, especially being a believer in, in Christ, I think the place of prayer should always be a, a priority place. And I know that... I love that, prayer. <laughs> and, and I know that, that sometimes um, that can be overlooked or felt like, well, the church is always just praying um, and we, we never do anything. But I, I want, I think it's important that we don't forget that at least mm-hmm. as a priority place to start when, dealing with any issues um, in society. So I would say like the first primary place would be uh, to pray, because I do believe that when we're talking about racial tensions or racial issues, that the root of it is sin. Um, the root of that is sin. And, and as scripture says, you know, we wage against um, not flesh and, and blood, but okay. principalities yeah. and rulers. And so I think for us to, to miss out um, utilizing the greatest weapon that we have as believers, which is prayer and our spiritual authority would be, you know, a disadvantage to us. So I would say, you know, the first place should always be prayer and strategic prayer, not, you know, uh, bland or generalized prayers, but speaking specifically into the issues that we see in our community, speaking, you know, for the families that have, you know, been either marginalized that we're, we, we see on television um, or if it is to pray specifically for our police departments in our neighborhoods, I think it's just a place of strategic prayer uh, would be a first place. And um, the next place I would say is, you know, once we're grounded in that that way in prayer, um, I would say the church, you know, shouldn't be afraid in engaging in in partnerships with those in the community who are already, you know, doing the work. Um, yeah, I like the fact that you actually began by prayer because Pentecostal churches are known to be vertically focused on more expressive worship, spiritual empowerment, than social works and societal engagement. So um, the gifts of the Spirit is what Pentecostals are known for and the manifestation of the Spirit gifts. So if that's what Pentecostals are known for, it only you know becomes wise to begin from what Pentecostals are already used to which is prayer, like you have rightly pointed out. But I also like the fact that you are moving further to say, hey, how can the Pentecostal church partner with organizations or with people trying to engage society in social justice? You know, so go ahead. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and partnerships, um, you know, because I think it's important that the church is engaging, I would say, in conversations in the culture and just because we engage, let's say, in those conversations in culture or in, in social justice, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are adapting those same views or that, you know, we are, you know, taking whatever uh, maybe another organization's ideologies and saying that's what we believe. Um, you know, scripture does say, you know, we live in the world, but we're not of it. So being in the world means we have to engage with other people who think differently than us, who maybe operate differently than us, may not have the same beliefs. Um, but the beautiful thing is that when we come into these conversations and in these partnerships um, in the community, 
we're able to bring things from a Christ-like lens and we're able yeah. to bring approach, exactly yeah. an approach to that. Um, but also being willing to hear from a different perspective and, and hear um, other people's hearts towards, you know, the issues um, at hand. So I would say, you know, part partnerships, being open and willing to listen, but it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily compromise your faith or compromise, you know, um, the truth that Christ uh, has placed, you know, in our hearts as, as believers. Yeah, I think a lot of churches, a lot of denominations um, find it very difficult to do, not to partner with organizations that seem to go against their traditional values. And that's what causes a lot of pastors and ministers to shy away issues of social justice. They believe, you know, issues like um, um, sexuality, issues like um, uh, addressing, you know, crucial and controversial issues will taint their name. So they just say, you know what, they shy away from everything that has to do with um, social justice altogether. Not knowing that you can actually engage with people and not necessarily believe what they believe. Because like you rightly pointed out, as believers, we are called to connect with people, to partner with people. And the Bible actually expressly says we're called to love people, you know, which is the great commandment. So we are called to love God. We are called to love people. So if we are not loving people in spite of our differences, then why are we the church? Right. You know? So I, I really like that opinion. So you have mentioned two things. Begin with prayer and also partner with other people and organizations in the area of social justice. Yeah. So is there another, another aspect that you feel we can just touch briefly? What do you think um, the church can do? Uh, in, I, I, for one, would say, and I know that's an area probably organization, you know, in, in, in the business of doing is to educate people, right? Yes. And I think that's another that that is another uh, a good point to think about educating. I would say for the church to educate themselves um, first, and then being able to be in a place where they can educate, you know, others. So um, I think the church can grow and being more well versed in social justice issues. First, looking at it from a biblical lens, like what does the Bible have to say on um, the different topics uh, that mm-hmm. that are you know, being presented in society. And then two, not being afraid to look at what are some of the, um, I would say, credible literature that is that exists related to certain topics, um, just to hear and and learn a little bit more about what are people saying and what are people talking about, you know, um, related to social justice. But I think before even engaging in that, like, the best place to educate ourselves as believers is to first start in the Bible, first wrestle with these ideas through a biblical lens. And then I think we can, you know, dive into some other credible uh, literature that that exists to see what the culture is saying in relation to social justice. Mm-hmm. That's so true. You know, we, we are reminded of the scripture talking about biblical education in Isaiah 61 verse 1. And that actually is, forms the, the basis of my dissertation, Preach Freedom, the practice of uh, social justice between Pentecostal churches in the South Florida area. And in Isaiah 61 verse 1, the Bible tells us that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. One thing that stands out to me is the fact that 
Jesus actually recounted the same verse as the mission he came to accomplish. What would you say about this? Wow. Like I, to me, I think it, it totally represents, you know, one, the love of God, right? The love of God in that um, he cares, he cares about humanity and he knows the, the repercussions that sin has brought to humanity and we're seeing that through, you know, the oppression, the prejudice, the bias, all these things that are existing is the consequence of sin. And for me, you know, hearing Christ say that that's, you know, ultimately what he has come to do is to, you know, bring justice. And, and as you even said, to, to preach um, freedom um, to me is just a great representation of, of, I would say, God's love for humanity to free us from you know, the bondage of sin that has put us in the positions that we are today um, with all the social justice issues that we have. Um, so, yeah, I, I really just feel that it's it's the love of God um, that he cares about us um, to come down to earth and, and to free us in that way. And, you know, the funny aspect of, of the Christian faith in America is that a lot of people do not see Christ as a social justice warrior. Hmm. Well, that's what he was. <laughs> Almost, you know, he actually, you know, declared, you know, um, freedom to the poor. He, he preached good tidings to the weak. He bound up the brokenhearted. You know, Jesus was very much involved in society. In fact, Jesus did not attend a lot of services. He was out and about. Hmm. But a lot, the church tends to forget that, Jesus was not stuck within the four walls of a church building. Yeah. You know, he was, he was down the alley trying to feed the poor. He was down the alley trying to heal the sick. He was down, you know, the, in the prisons, you know. And he even said himself, you know, uh, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. Mm -hmm. You know, and you, and you asked, well, when did we do these things, Lord? He said, well, if you do it to my brother or your brother, you do, you do it unto me. Yeah. And, and Jesus reminds us the value of social engagement. And that's one of the big things the church has forgotten. You know, I know we're running down, um, running out of time. <laughs> and I know you have a lot to say, but do you have any final words you would like to just share in this area uh, relating to some of the ideas the church can execute in order to begin a social justice practice, practice and a social justice engagement? Yeah. Yeah. I guess even along the lines of, of what you just said, I would say for the church, not to be afraid of the term social justice. Um, one, just because I know that, that the word in itself, social justice can be so politically um, charged. Charged. Um, yes. because, right. Right. And because of that, we can miss out on the opportunity to be like Christ um, in, in very critical and, and well-needed um, moments. So that's one thing, not to be afraid of, of the term. Um, and I would say, you know, as long as we are ensuring that we, you know, again, are doing things from a biblical lens, continuing to keep the Bible as the foundation of what we are doing, and remembering that we are called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, to love, well, first and first and foremost, love the Lord our God with all our heart, um, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, in a way, I, I couldn't see as as a believer how we would not be compelled to to go out and and fight for the cause of, of the oppressed, to fight for those who are in need. 
Um, so in a way, it's almost like if you're living out the greatest commandment, it's hard to to not get involved in, in these social um, issues. Wow. That's so good, Jennifer. That's so good. If you are living out the great commandment, it's hard not to get involved in social justice. So I think that is a, a, a good encouragement and mandate for the church to take hold of. And the Pentecostal church cannot be left behind, particularly the Pentecostal church in South Florida. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on, on the show today on the podcast. And I know that you're going to do great in your role you know, relating to social justice within your organization and, you know, your racial equality work at the Children's Trust. Um, thank you so much. Uh, feel free to come on the podcast next time. <laughs> so thank you. looking forward to having you. All right. So that's it. So have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have comments, questions, feel free to send in your questions, your comments concerning Preach Freedom, the Practice of Social Justice, within Pentecostal churches in South Florida. God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe.